Hello, and welcome to the show. This is the Goodwin Podcast, and I'm Nico Lapalusa, your host. And uh, actually, I'm going to change the name. I'm not going to change, you know, I'm going to change things up a little bit. It's a constant of evolution of a show, but I'm just, it's just going to be the Goodwind with Nico. I think the podcast is either implied, but it also, a few things. It leaves room because I want to start expressing this channel uh, in, in more of a creative storyboard fashion. And uh, the Goodwind just kind of allows me to do that without being restricted to a, a podcast format without hurting people's expectations. Um, and also, I think podcast is almost a dirty word now. I'm pretty sure it is. I mean, your grandma has a podcast. Everyone and their grandmas has a podcast, you know? That's what they say out there, which is not true. I think I think there's still only uh, like 30 million YouTube videos out there. And uh, there's 7 billion people. So we're not even a, a fraction of a percent of... Um, of everyone having their own YouTube video, which, yo, I encourage, express yourself, I encourage to express yourself, you know, I mean, I've said it once, I'll say it, I'll say it again, it's been a while, it's been a long, long journey for me to learn how to express myself, and this is a lovely vehicle to help me do so, this is a lovely skill to to cultivate as well, I have plenty of selfish reasons, but there's also a few selfless reasons I interlace to justify what I'm doing. And I think there's so much value to being able to express yourself. Now, someone asked me, they say, why did you start a podcast instead of just going to a therapist? And my answer to them was, I have a therapist. And, uh, you know, in some ways, this is better. In some ways. You know, I just, I just like it. I like the idea of, I just like it, man. You can go back to episode one and, and get into all my intentions, selfish and selfless. But thank you for being here. Another day. And and look. If you follow the show, you know what my platform, my main political platform is. And it needs to be said again because it's been, it's, it's been some time. I guess this is just a recap episode so far, but no, there's going to be a lot of new shit coming through. Um, we're jumping on TikTok Live, uh, and that's always fun. You know, that's always a little bit festive, getting some live feedback of the show, getting some live Q&A uh, going. Uh, people have reported liking that, so stay tuned for that. I'm actually looking forward to it to myself, and I know I'm looking forward to it because I'm a little nervous. And I use nervousness as an indicator for energy. You know, I use that little bit of fear as a as a as almost a directional arrow of where to go these days. Which I am going in two weeks, I'm going to Brazil to the Amazon rainforest to to sit in ceremony in communion with ayahuasca plant medicine with a with a tri- with a tribe a church tribe down there um it's a legal thing 
down there. And uh, I'm going to sit in the jungle where it's from, where the ayahuasca is from, the rainforest. For those of you who don't, who completely have never heard of it before, which is, is probably rare. It's basically two plants combined into a tea. And this tea has very potent psychedelic properties. Um, and I'm going down there to revisit the jungle. I haven't, the first time I drank ayahuasca was in the rainforest, which is, was in the Amazon rainforest in Peru. And, uh, I'm going back now to Brazil to, to partake in the medicine as it's called, but also with a strong intention because I'm going there to learn music from just a maestro, just a, just like a fucking shredder, like musical wizardy, just master, just a master musician. And he's getting a little older in age and I just, you know, I want to make sure I get down there while I still can and while he still can. So I'm going to learn music and, um, I do plan on shooting one or two podcasts while I'm down there. That That's, that's the intention. I'd like to, uh, I'm going to bring, you know, the computer and the camera and, and the, and a microphone. We'll see which one I can, I can get down there and, uh, yeah, it's just that fresh off the ayahuasca ceremony recording. I see what comes through. Might be a little twinkle in my eye. Might be, you know, worthwhile. Or it might be some uh, cult initiation. Uh, you decide. You decide. But my decision is going down there and, and enjoying myself and, and learning music uh, in a new way, in a special way while I'm down there. And also, you know, Brazil has just been something to me. You know, I do the jujitsu. I listen to Brazilian music. Um, the Amazon rainforest called me back in 2013 when I went down there. And, uh, you know, I have a jaguar tattooed on my arm. That's visible for those watching the show right now. The jaguar is, is indigenous to the Amazon rainforest as well. Anaconda is also, you know... Do I choose these things or did they choose me? I think I can say I chose them in a way. Uh, and I could probably also make a case for the opposite. So yeah, going going down to Brazil. Nervous and excited. Bringing the girlfriend, which... I Okay, I've traveled mostly by myself. Mostly by myself is how I have traveled. And, you know, that's nice. There's a niceness in traveling by myself. Mainly because... Sorry about that. Mainly because, um, you know, there's... I only have to worry about myself. You know, when you travel by yourself... It's just, when you travel by yourself, it's just a little bit easier. It's just a little bit easier to get around. There's no one you have to bounce any off, any ideas off of. 
And, uh, and I, you know, my safety is my priority. So now that I'm traveling, going to be traveling with my girlfriend, it's like I'm responsible in a way. She has never been outside of the country. And, um, you know, it's, it's just a little insecurity. That's the thing about just being in a relationship in general is it's instant insecurity because now you're not just looking out for yourself. Like there's definitely a freedom in being single. That's nothing, that's nothing new. It's just, you know, it's a constant balance of the freedom and the loneliness. I've traveled by myself to these like beautiful places in the world, Thailand and, and all this, all this shit. And I just remember there's been a few times I'm like sitting on this perfect beach watching this perfect sunset, like all alone. And I'm like a little bit, it's like a little bit sad. It's just a touch sad because is happiness only real when shared? That's kind of a question I want to pose to, uh, so we're now TikTok live. Hey, thanks for joining us. Please answer, ask some questions and you'll be part of a show. This is a live recording of a podcast and, uh, appreciate you being here and I hope you participate in the show. Uh, as much as you can, I'll answer your questions and uh, welcome to the good wind. So there's this balance of like being completely free when you're traveling and then just, you know, and being alone, being lonely. And I guess that's kind of life. And I've all, and I've looked at this insecurity of being in a relationship. You know, that's what kids must, you know, having kids must feel like too. It's just everything just seems a little more dangerous. You know, there's a part of your heart is like out in the open and can be attacked, if you will. So I'm nervous and excited, you know, to go to Brazil. I've never been to Brazil. I don't speak Portuguese. I don't know if my Spanish is going to carry me through, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to, to make it work somehow in a good way. And also Google Translate won't be too far. So thank you, Mark, for your question. I already got a question here, and I appreciate it. Uh, let's see. Can you say something about the feeling of non-existence? I hope that answered your question. Thank you very much. No, just kidding. Okay, so about non-existence, fuck. I mean, what I think of in non-existence is everything but non-existence. It almost leads me to the question, like, can you really say anything about non-existence? Anything in the thought, in like the word form already implies existence. So it, it feels like a Cohen, like a paradox to even try to ex talk about non-existence. But, but here we go. I, I feel like there's this place. And, um, and I'll get to all these questions soon. Thank you for ask, asking them. I feel like there's this place uh, in consciousness, right? Not not physical place on the outside. There's this inside place of like, of feeling. It's not here. If you guys, have, I'm sure, I've, I know you've felt this before, but you can begin to really deep, like start to understand this. There's living life through this, through this place, through your eyes, through your senses, through your brain, through your thoughts. And then there's this like, Oh, okay. I can live ex my experience. I can walk down the street 
and live through my stomach or through my chest or through the sensation in my hands. And when I shift to this, these places, like this chest space or the stomach space, I... I'm no longer thinking as much. I'm no longer caught up in this like in this thought pattern and that feels like non-existence. But I don't think there is a non-existence in this in this maybe sleep is the closest to non-existence that we get. You know that's it is kind of strange like how the fear of death really does permeate through all the decisions I make and I and I think it's a human condition and yet you know going no one has a problem going to sleep. It's just a little Sleep is for sure the cousin of death. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining. Continue to ask questions. I saw a question about LSD. Sometimes when I talk about these things, I get cut off from uh, TikTok Live. So I hope that doesn't happen. But um, I actually was just talking about Thailand. And I was when I went to when I went there, I actually brought some with me. And uh, I don't think I can get into how I did that on TikTok Live, but maybe in the podcast. Oh, I've talked about it. So I've I've been to Thailand and I was, you know, I decided to go in on this lysergic acid LSD uh, experience. And, um, I, you know, I would take it in the morning. I would meditate in this like kind of perfect place. If you've never been to Thailand, it's worth it. I don't know how to talk about it without feeling like I'm bragging. It's just it's just a beautiful place. The the vibe there, the people, it's the land of smiles. And there's, especially when you get to the islands out there, it's just a particularly special place as in contrast to like American, American living. And I was experimenting with my own consciousness uh, with some LSD. And I guess a highlight of it, it can be rough like any psychedelic. It can be full on experience. And I was sitting over this bay. And, uh, fuck in my mind's eye, I see a great, huge fucking snake, a huge serpent, bigger than the, bigger than the planet, bigger than even a spaceship would be just massive, all encompassing the sky. And it swallowed me whole. And then nothing happened. I think I started crying. I usually start crying when shit happens. And and that's actually when I, I was in this beautiful place and I realized how much I missed the people in my life. Like, how thankful I was for my family, how thankful I was for my girlfriend. And I was alone in this beautiful place and had no one to share it with. So I ended up like crying into the ocean and then it turned into gratitude. And then, you know, then you, you, you got the thing going. Usually when you return to gratitude, you, uh, you find what you were looking for. Um, let's see. Happy black history month. Yeah. Happy black history month. I mean, as a white person, if that's meaningful for you, I'm fuck. I'm I'm willing to celebrate. You know, um, I have heard some people, some of my friends, be like, uh, "Why do we just get a month? You know, shouldn't it be a consistent learning?" And uh, yeah, they might be right. It's really up to you. I'm I don't have a strong opinion on it. Uh, besides, as long as you feel celebrated for who you are, um, you know, that's cool with me. My astrological star sign is a Leo. I'm not a Sagittarius. That is a good, a good guess. And um, so I feel like there's late levels to the psychedelic experience, right? There's usually that that onboarding, 
that start that starting half, if you will, where you're trying to like find the frequency. It can be very uncomfortable. This can be when you know the shakes happen when you're yawning a lot, when you're kind of uncomfortable, or you're trying to. I'm kind of uncomfortable, or I'm trying to run away from the situation. I'm not trying to face it. But the more I can settle into it and just accept it, the more the quicker I, I arrive to that place of gratitude. And this happened in Thailand. Uh, I, I arrived to that place of gratitude and then I was kind of free. I was feeling good. I was able to kind of sink into the medicine and like just enjoy people, look them in the eye when I was talking to them, be fully engaged. So I walked around the island. I met some people. I even approached a mosque and uh, I was really curious to go into the mosque because I just love religion. I love the pursuit of spirituality uh, from any means, I think all paths, uh, you know, lead to the same, the same thing, and you can really take any path you want. That's kind of the stance I take in a lot of things. Now, Thailand is mostly Buddhist, but there was this, there was this mosque there on Kopi P Island, and I walk up to the mosque, and there's some guys standing outside. It's there's a gate. And I, I opened the gate and peeked in my head and like as respectfully as I can, maybe too respectfully where I looked timid. I was like, hey, do you mind if I come in here? And they said, are you Muslim? And I said, I don't know yet. And they said, Psh, no, get out of here. Now, look, Kopp Island, if you haven't been there, it's a mostly a party island. And I've looked like the standard party, you know, white party boy. So I can see their hesitation. I'm not trying to hate at all. Like I was clearly an outsider and just probably didn't feel, I didn't, you know, I didn't look right. And they wanted someone to say, yes, I am Muslim. And then they, they would welcome me in, but not knowing they just didn't want to take the time to convert me or anything. And that's fine. But I ended up walking out of the gate. And there was this like old woman standing there just looking up at the mosque. And as I was walking out, she says, it's beautiful, isn't it? And I was like, uh, yeah, it's very beautiful. You know, on that LSD vibe. I'm like, yeah, this is very beautiful. And she's like, oh, I just love, I just love sacred places. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sacred places. We ended up talking. She was a nun. She was like this older woman. She was a nun and she looked at me with an intent. Now I was on the medicines and, but she just, I'll never forget her. You know, I just never forget her. She looked at me with an intensity and, and the, the parting lesson she gave me was keep your doors open as often as you're possible. So people can come in and, and fill the space with love. Cause it's really, you know, the people that empower the place, not the place that empowers the people, something like that. And, uh, and then it was onward, you know? This is all one nice LSD journey in uh, in Thailand. And then it was onward. And, um, oh, fuck. And so, and so I just drive away. I end up pulling up, trying to get lost, right? Kopi Island's not that big. But I was just driving around trying to get lost a little bit. And I did. I got lost in this, like winding road this dirt road on this moped that i rented and i come across this buddhist temple just in the middle of the jungle in kopi island 
and uh, it was empty, but I was compelled to just like park my bike and go in there and meditate. Now, if you, all of these, like these temples in, in Thailand, a lot of them are open air, so you can just kind of walk in. It's like a pavilion. And I walked up to the altar and I lit some incense that they had there. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to sit here until the, the incense is done. And I sat and I sat and uh, had another vision for what it's worth. Not that it's special. It's just it happened in my head. And I had a vision that I was surrounded by men and women in, in orange robes. A typical Buddhist monk looking looking group of people. Like circling me in my mind's eye. And I felt like I was in the center of their of their group and they were all just giving me their attention. And with that and where I was at in my life and, and all this stuff, I started crying again. Now, look. Tears are fucking great, especially tears of joy. And these felt like tears of joy. It felt so clean and cleansing. And like, I kind of wanted it to keep going. And there's been a part in my journey where I'm like, am I seeking crying at this point? Is this authentic or am I just kind of holding it all in so eventually I have to burst? Am I like doing the binging, purging of, uh, of emotions here? And over time, I've kind of flattened out my emotions where I don't have to like just have these deep weeping sessions. Maybe that'll change. Maybe not. But I just started weeping, weeping. And then all of a sudden, the gratitude came. And uh, I look I look at the incense. It's burned all the way down. I stand up. I end up sweeping. <laughs> I was compelled. There was a broom leaning against one of the pillars. I, I like swept the temple and I was on my way. But it was a very strong experience that I was like, that really stuck with me. I really felt this energy of the place, I guess. And all like the monks that have sat there before, I just like felt like a very powerful place. Empowered, of course, by the people that had been there. And then that night, you know, I ended up making my way to the downtown center and I ended up parting my face off. I think I danced myself, continued to dance myself clean and just had a fucking great night, you know hit on some women and got rejected and not even got rejected just tried to dance with some people some people danced with me some people didn't and I didn't feel like I wanted anything until the night closed now walking out of the dance club it was like just spent a full day of religiosity I was just walking down the street with a smile on my face at this point just feeling completely satisfied and, oh, fuck, do I share this? Yeah, I mean, look. You got to be free, okay? I'm, I'm not, no one's going to force you to do anything. And you need, so you're free to judge me. Fuck it. So I'm walking down the street, smiling, feeling high on life and LS, and like coming down from LSD, but feeling clean from all the shit that I just went through. And uh, a woman... She was like, hey. I was like, hey. She's like, come here. Like, okay. And we start talking and she's like, hey, come up to my place. It's like, okay. And that's, you know. And we had some sex. And then I left. But it's never been that easy. It's never been like, hey, come here. Yes. Little conversation. Sex. Okay. 
I'm like, do you, is this for money? Am I paying you? No. Like, okay. It's just strange. You don't get, like, sex doesn't come like that all the time. So is this fully magical day? Look, there is the spirituality and then it ended with some sex. A little enlightenment, a little bit of sex. So I'm not not telling you to do LSD, but I do think, here's the warning, here's the caveat. You have to be in the place to receive the lessons you're ready to receive. Anyone who doesn't have a sense of centeredness, if you haven't cultivated a sense of stillness and centeredness, you can be completely overwhelmed by these things. And, and it can be traumatic. You can be adding trauma to your life that you'll have to eventually unravel. It's like, there's no rush. This, there's, there's no magic bullet. There's no magic pill. And these hallucinogens aren't the way. They're a way if you're in a good place, if you're in a place where with, you know, set and setting and, uh, and people around you that you can enjoy. But it certainly won't fix you. It has. It gives you the opportunity for a, a pattern dis, like a pattern disrupt. If you find yourself in the same patterns over and over again, it will certainly give you an alternative perspective. And in that alternative perspective, you can gain wisdom in the form of gratitude. But you can also. It can also be quite traumatic. <laughs> so I'm influencing the youths. Hey everyone, thanks for thanks for joining in. Hi. What's up, Netherlands? Oh my God, I want to go to the Netherlands so bad. I have a friend out there who I actually met in Thailand. Oh my gosh. And the story goes on. We're talking about Thailand and we we dabbled in a little bit of LSD. And I actually met a woman from the Netherlands in Thailand. And we kicked it off. Um, uh, and she asked me, she's like, have you heard of Combo? And at the time, I hadn't heard of Combo. And if you don't know what combo is, I'm I'm gonna tell you. But com- basically, in the in the Amazon rainforest, there's a poison dart frog, and this poison dart frog emits poison from its skin, and it's very brightly colored. It's beautiful. It's really small too, and this poison, yeah, this poison, um, they basically take it from the frog. Now. There are responsible ways to harvest and there's irresponsible ways to harvest as well. So, and this is a very powerful, very powerful thing. And I don't, the people who are for it have beautiful science to back it. And the people who are against it call it poison. So this one, I'm really not like, yo, you have to be, you have to make this decision yourself. I'm only sharing my experience. So I agree. I agree to this combo thing. And and one night we all meet at this place in, in Thailand and there's this guy from Brazil and he carries the medicine and he sits us down and he explains us that it's basically this poison that's been dried out onto a plate that he scrapes up. He burns holes into your arm and then he applies the paste, the poison onto your arm. And then very, very soon after, you're filled with warmth, you're filled with poison, and you it's purge. It's purge city. Combos are very, very physical. So I'm sitting in this group of like 12 people, 
and he's like, okay, we're going to go in groups of two. Who wants to go first? And I always like to go first because the waiting is the hardest part. The waiting is definitely the hardest part. So I just like to go first. So me and my sister from, from Netherlands, not my biological sister, my sister, my, my friend, we, we go first and he burns the holes into our arms, seven holes. I don't know if that's, that's typical, but that's what he did for us. And he applied the paste. Now, as soon as he sat down, he started playing songs, Icaros, that are associated. Now, the songs are supposed to tr- like call the medicine to work through you. And I don't know how this shit works. But as soon as he hits the drums, I felt a surge of energy and wah, purge, 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 purge surge of energy purge it's like whoa this is a full-on experience but i'm trying you know doing the warrior thing being stoic i want to being strong for everyone else i'm going first i want to set you know i want to look cool or whatever i also want to be strong for myself and calm because i know that being calm helps things pass through he calls the next two people up he burns the holes in their skin applies the paste he starts playing the drum again. As soon as he hits the drum, I get a surge of energy. I purge again. He does this for the remaining four groups because there's six groups of two total. I purged the first three times he played music. So every time the music kicked in, it kicked in the, the sensation for me. And I purged something fierce. Then the remainder of the of the time, I just laid on my belly and just like, you know, I had that grat- gratitude feeling and just watched and was like basically fully present for those who were going through it too. <sighs> but that is the one and only time I've done combo. Now I've been interested in doing it again because, well, because it supposedly helps you clean out your lymphatic system, which again, uh, is it poison? Is it medicine? Where's the line between poison and medicine? They seem to overlap. And I had that lymphatic cancer. So I'm like, okay, I do the combo, flush out my lymph nodes again. Maybe that'll help. But it didn't work out. So I only did it that one time. So that's my experience with the Netherlands and and combo. So thank you everyone for joining. Continue to ask questions. Um, I'm sorry if I've missed a few of them. I, I hope you can retype them so I can uh, so I can so I can ask them. Shawnee boy, beef ramen or chicken ramen? You know, I've been on a beef kick lately. Now, there's a time I only I like was avoiding red meat, but I I feel the exact opposite now. I red so because cows have multiple stomachs if you even feed them gmo crops they actually digest the like man i wish i was better in this science but basically the cow meat isn't filled with the gmo materials like a chickens who have one stomach if they're fed gmo materials that's in their meat if cows are they have a processing ability where they can really limit the glyphosate it's called glyphosate and it doesn't get to their muscles so beef is actually cleaner to eat unless you're eating chickens that you know they've been you know they've been free range roaming eating worms and and bugs and shit 
But that's really rare, you know, in the chicken market. Did you guys actually know that chickens were made for the were were a forest animal? Man, I appreciate appreciate everyone joining. I appreciate the love you sharing. Thanks. Shout out to Greg Gregor, Andrew Wilson. Appreciate you, man. And uh yeah. Keep asking, keep asking questions as you as they come in. I'd love to uh, continue this going for another 10, 15 minutes. And uh, yeah, definitely on a beef kick lately. And I'm really getting into organ meats too. If you guys really want to dive into that, go to Paul Saladino. He's a MD of some sort. And he has a few really good podcasts with Rogan and Aubrey Marcus. And he goes all into the beauty of like eating an animal nose to tail, he calls it, including the organ meats and how nutrient rich they are, how they even have vitamin C and everything you need. And, and, uh, you know, I was vegan. I was vegan. I was vegetarian. You know, I did the thing, but I'm, I'm glad I'm not anymore. That's all I'm going to say. Life does, you know, life eats life. Death implies life. Not that you should go on a killing spree in the name of life, like the Crusades or anything, but to answer the questions of like, how do you show empathy if you're killing something? I mean, I, I, I just have a different perspective on that now. One of my very good friends, we are also fan friends, recently started dating my sister. Thoughts? What's up, Julian? By the way, Julian's helping out with the podcast. He's going to be helping uh, clean this show up a little bit. So I appreciate you, man. Shout out to you. One of my very good friends recently started dating my sister. Okay, that has to. I have to talk a little bit about the relationship with my sister. For some reason, my sister's two years older than me. For some reason, we ha- there's 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 sibling relationships where siblings are best friends. And that has never been the case with my sister. There was a time I really I want that really bad now. It feels a little late in the game to build a, a friend like a really close friendship with her. At this point, I just want us to like be together and be able to express love to each other ever so often. You know, to call each other ever so often. Uh, I'm currently blocked from her. That's another story. So, so when it came to my sister and never being that close to her, now my sister also had a kind of a rougher time growing up where she, man, she was just really, she was significantly overweight for a long time. Now she had allergies and stuff and, and certain things that led, led her to have different thyroid things. But because of that, she never really found a boyfriend until college. And because of this, I was actually rooting for people to be with her. So I had a very, very different relationship to people who I see are closer to their sisters. They tend to be more protective. And particularly with younger sisters, I was rooting for guys to be with her. Because I saw that I I wanted her to be happy. I wanted her to gain some self-esteem. And this was from from early on. Now, that being said, go back. If you go to episode number 22, I talk about the code or a code 
that I like to live by when it comes to my man-to-man relationships, my friendships. For example, I don't need the men in my group, in my my friendships, to test my girlfriend. Especially, I would never ask them to because that's some that's some weak shit. But I don't need them to be like to giving her the eyes to see if she to you know to even be looking at her ass too long. Now she's a beautiful woman. I know it's gonna happen sometimes, but like when it comes to my friends, their their women are my sisters. It's like I can very much detach from that. I don't need the validation from them. I can keep it. I can turn it off because that respect needs to be there. Now I can't, now I demand that respect in return. Now I'm not willing to invite someone to my barbecue who has been kind of crossing the line. Like I, I'm willing to cut people out. I feel like men should have a level of respect. But when it comes to your sister, a person who you're you're not going to be intimate with, it's it's almost can be seen as like the best case scenario to have a really good friend be with your sister. Like you could really take that either way. When it comes to someone you're being intimate with, I crossed, I draw that line clear. If you're going to disrespect me and I'll make, and I have to make it clear what I, I deem as respect. I can't just feel disrespected all the time and like, and like be quiet about it. I have to express my, expectations in these man-to-man relationships and give people a couple chances, you know, give them time to adhere to like respect and show them the respect in return. And then we can move forward. And if they, if they choose not to respect that, then I can make that create that distance. So when it comes to your sister, I, man, you could be happy, especially if he's a good guy, you know, is he a good guy? If if he's a good guy, I mean, then it's kind of like, you know, then your friend turns into your brother. That could, that could be good. It kind of might be a choice depending on you. So I was talking about being vegetarian for five years and then, and what changed. And, um, you know, it wasn't like a big shift. It was like, I just started eating fish because, you know, I really craved, you know, I felt like my body was actually getting a little weak. I felt like my energy was a little low, but it wasn't like a blatant, like no disease form, no sickness form. I just felt a little low energy. So I started incorporating fish and then I started incorporating chicken. And then, and now I've kind of been listening to podcasts like with Paul Saladino and, and, and talking about the benefits of, and the nutritional value of, of red meat. And it's a sacred, sacred food. I mean, we used to celebrate the hunt, you know, and, and if it's local and if it's responsibly sourced, I I think there's a lot of beauty and gratitude I can get from eating meat. And, um, and I think it can be kind and humane as it goes. I mean, there's no doubt that there's death in this world. Part of my, my logic too. Now this is kind of fucked, but it's like people who are vegetarian they say for the reasons of animals, they put animals because they have a central nervous system. Like, oh, animals are more important than plants because they feel they like they feel pain. They show emotions. 
But there's some evidence to suggest that that plants also show emotions. There was um, a, a study that showed that would uh, attach these sensors to a plant and put a flame next to the plant and burn the plant and and the sensors would create would register a signal. Meaning this plant would you know would feel pain or at least create a signal based on being burned and being destroyed. So if you don't put plants lower down on the totem pole, you're either eating a living being in plants or you're eating a living being in animals. So it's it seems almost like you're a speciesist, like you create a species hierarchy. You probably also think that humans are better than animals too. Maybe, maybe that's harsh generalization. How are you able to digest it after you weren't eating red meat for so long? You know, I don't. I must have an iron stomach because nothing. I've changed my diet dramatically in many ways, and really, I don't feel like. I don't know. It just doesn't, it's just not a thing. It's just not a thing to, I don't get sick. I don't, maybe I get some, you know, bad girl diary, diaries, but I just, you know, I, I feel like I can eat a lot of things and without getting sick too. I, I've just always been able to eat just a shit ton of stuff. Thank you, everyone, for joining. Continue to ask you a few questions. We have another 10 minutes here um, uh, on the show. And uh, let's keep this Let's keep this going. What other questions? We didn't start the fire. It was always burning since the world's been turning. We didn't start the fire. Well, looks like the questions are slowing down, so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to spitball here a little bit. <sighs> Thank you, Rachel, for the question. Let's see. Um, I ate sushi this weekend and was guilt tripping myself since I've been feeling very low energy. And Joel Joel Rodriguez said you should write a book. And thank you for your questions. I got. And now they're pouring in. Thank you, guys. There's okay. There's this. So your mind is so powerful. I, I talk about psychosomatic responses that I had with chemotherapy and like how powerful that was, like the intention in my mindset as it was coming in to my body and how I would react and how it would literally set the next week of sensation based on what I was thinking as it was coming in. And I feel this way largely with food. I feel like that's the cool part of praying before a meal. Not because you need, not because there's a God up there that needs your affection, even though there might be, probably not. I feel like God's closer to unconditional love. But you don't pray because God's going to smite you if you don't. I feel like you pray to set your body and your mind right, to be thankful for the food you're about to consume. And I feel like that really helps the processing of the food. So you, you, by you being aware that you're feeling guilty over this, you can probably already have the awareness to let yourself free of that guilt too. Um, you should write a book. I've been actually thinking of that things I wish I knew before 30, just turning it into a book, you know, because why not? I'm, I might be able to pick up a, 
a little, you know, little book thing. All right. Fireboy Ghost, thoughts on living in a capitalist society and how people can profit off of it? That's kind of a loaded question because, okay, I'm not anti-capitalism, which is convenient to say as someone who has found a way to benefit off of capitalism and also being a white man in America. Can we, I'm saying it so you know I'm aware of it so we can move, so we can move on. I'm basically a capitalist society's, you know, mascot. But the libertarian in me loves capitalism. Capitalism is an equalizer in the sense that people can can you know make themselves from not you know low caste system to high caste. I was listening to a show, and and uh, the guy was an immigrant. Uh, his parents moved to America and they had nothing. His dad was, uh, was a factory worker or he found his way into a factory. And now this guy is a multimillionaire. And he said that he found himself complaining one day at the despair, this disparity in America. And then he thought to himself, he's like, holy shit, how much faster did I want success? Like my parent, one generation ago, we were living in, in a very, very meager conditions. And just in 20 years, I've been able to move up and out and be a millionaire. In what other society is this possible? It's, it's, it's something to consider. How can I build my confidence when I'm learning a new language? I feel ashamed when I make mistakes. Oh my gosh. I lived in Argentina for a year and, uh, I didn't know any Spanish when I got there. And in my case, if I didn't learn the language, I didn't have a chance to communicate. I thought I was going to get by with my English. I thought by going to Argentina, I'm like, yeah, most people know English. It wasn't the case. I basically sat in silence for three months just smiling and nodding my head when people were talking to me, not knowing what the fuck they were saying. So in my case, the pain of disconnection was greater than the fear of sounding stupid. So if you can create a proper cocktail of motivation to learn out of love, but also the fear of not knowing and find that sweet spot between like letting fear be a good motivator, but also love be a good motivator, you'll learn the language. A little bit has to be getting over yourself, and uh, I'm still learning it quite a bit. You know where I'm learning it? In music, because I'll be playing guitar, and I'm learning guitar for the past couple years, and it's like, I'll still fuck up, of course, I'll miss a tune, but not, you don't fuck up and then stop a song. You don't go, oh, ah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, because like tonight I'll be doing a little performance with a group of people virtually and when I play even if I mess up you keep going sometimes it's how you say things instead of what you're actually saying with with correct grammar that's what I've noticed too sometimes I'll say things confidently enough in English to a Spanish speaker and they'll know what I'm saying by how I'm saying it so uh, I hope that helps how to decide to stay or go when a partner is going through depression. Holy shit, man. That one's... All right. Let's think about that. 
That is such a fine line. Some people really, like, you can be enabling someone to stay in their depressive tendencies by staying with them. I wonder what the line is. On this one, I really have to point you back to yourself. Is your, you know, you are, is your life, are you sacrificing everything for this person? Is your happiness gone? In this, in this case, I want you to be selfish in terms of how are you able to find happiness in this relationship? If so, and it's only sometimes difficult, you can proceed. If it's taking everything and you're not able to redeem yourself, if there's no redeeming qualities, it's not your responsibility to, to fix anyone. It's not your responsibility to change anyone. And because you also can't, you cannot. Hot takes on calling in financial abundance and achieving financial freedom. I'm, a, I'm big on cryptocurrency. I don't know. I feel like right now the stock market is amazing too. It's really hard to not pick a winning stock out there. Right now, cash is garbage. They say cash is king. It's not. With the printing of money, inflation is destroying, destroying cash. You need to get assets. Assets are that which can make you money. Assets include investments into stocks, um, businesses, uh, commodities, land, real estate. You can put, make sure you don't have as much cash as you need to take care of your bills. And then the rest of it should be going into uh, stocks or into cryptocurrency or into something that can make you money. The bank is not making you money. The bank, I I made last episode, episode uh, 46 is literally about financial freedom. So I hope you check it out. This is episode 47, which we're doing now. Um, And I talk all about it. But basically, if you don't already know, banks give you 0.01 or 0.1% interest on your money in the bank. So if you have $10,000 in the bank, after one year, they're going to give you a dollar. They take your money and they invest it and make 10 to 20%. So they're taking your money, using it to make money, and then giving you a penny just to shut, just for you to shut the fuck up. Don't keep cash. Okay. Keep assets. The stock market's good. I think it'll be good for another couple years. I don't know. I, but I think it's going to be good for another couple of years. You can also diversify into cryptocurrency, which you should. And precious metals, I think silver is doing well right now too. But good question. Let's do two more questions and then we're going to end the show. We're at the 52-minute mark. I usually go about 50, 45 to 55. How can I be a billionaire without hurt others or do bad things? You have to ask a billionaire, my brother. um can you be i think now to in today you have the like most likelihood to for conscious capitalism there's people that write about conscious capitalism uh peter schiff 
I think he talks about it. Uh, the guy from Tom's wrote a book, like, because uh, Tom's, you know, for every pair of shoes you buy, they they give a pair away and stuff like that. So there's this conscious capitalism movement. Um, so it's probably possible to be in the millions, you know, to make millions. And why do you need a billion anyway? You know, do you need a billion? No, if you have a hundred thousand, a hundred grand in the bank, you make a thousand a month, right? Let's see. Point one. I don't think so. I don't think that's the, I don't think the math's right on that. Oh, what's up? Karkari from Germany. Germany is uh, on the list of places to go. My guitar teacher is from Germany. Um, and Berlin has like an epic dance and movement community that I need to get a part of. So uh, Germany's on the list. All right, one more question, then we're going to wrap it up. Who's got it? Thank you for everyone who's joining. This is a live podcast. So, um, yeah, I've never held, okay, so I've never held a, a hundred thousand in the bank because making a thousand a month is, is nothing compared to what you make in the market. Like a hundred thousand a month, that, that 0.1% interest, dude, you, I mean, if you were in cryptocurrency with that hundred thousand, it's made a hundred percent on your money. You're turning that hundred thousand into a million instead of a hundred thousand, a hundred and one thousand. Don't trust the banks aren't giving you anything. All right, last question here by Ekram Ahmed. Thank you, everyone else, for your questions. I really appreciate it. Do you have any idea how how can someone overcome childhood trauma? At least you guys are giving me the easy questions. No, I'm sorry. This is a okay. What I'm what am I doing with my trauma? That's how I'm going to answer. What am I doing with my trauma? I do so many different things. Really, I've I've taken so many different modalities to understand myself and implemented them. I do a lot of physical fit physical training, yoga, lift weights, jujitsu, anything that can really get me into a flow state, anything that can get me out of this and into this or into my belly or into my feeling sensations. It's the mind is a great friend, but man, if I'm if I find myself living too much through my head, Here's, here's a symbol or here's evidence if you're living through your head. If you're having a conversation with two people in your own, in one per, in your own head, you're in your mind. How to get into the body is through sensation. Like right now I can feel my chest. If I get quiet enough, I can even feel my heartbeat. I can live there. I can stay in that living, in that sensation. I can stay in the sensation of my body and move through life. By moving into this sensation, this feeling part of living, it's basically living in the present. 
living in the present just seems too abstract. It just seems like too, but really it's, it's true. If you can really dive into the present and you can do that by feeling the present, by feeling what your hands feel like, by feeling what your heart feels like, by feeling what your stomach feels like, you can move from this place. Really, our traumas live here. The traumas that hurt me live up here. They live in my anxieties about the future and they live in my regrets in the past. But right now, I can feel into this present moment and my trauma doesn't have power over me. And it's not just once. This is a lifelong practice. That's the fucked up trippy part that people get they get fucked up on is that you don't just meditate once. You don't just feel into your body once. Every time the trauma comes up, that breath and that feeling into my body, taking my consciousness out of my thinking mind and putting it into the feelings, my sensations that my body's going, that's my favorite tool at dealing with with trauma in general. And my trauma, I have this PTSD around getting cancer again. That's my, that's my trauma that I'm getting right now. Um, I'm, I've been healthy for about eight months, but you know, I still get scared. And sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll have to, you know, do these things that I'm talking about. I'll have to take some deep breaths and just feel into the present and be thankful for the time I have, you know, I hope that helped. And, um, and man, if, if, you know, reach out, if you need anything, I I'm pretty good at responding. I don't respond right away, but I usually get to most messages that people send me. So thank you all so much for being here. Thank you for participating in the show. Thank you for your questions and your presence and your loving your support. Um, check the show out on YouTube, on Spotify, on Apple. This is the Goodwind.